there's all of these fix and flippers, there's all of these wholesalers, people actually doing deals. And if you want to have more clients that are actually doing deals that are real true buyers that aren't going to waste your time. That's what this room is all about. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am Adam A. Adams, and this is part two, talking a little bit about your meetup group and all of the benefits that you can get out of it. I hope you recall the number one through six was identify the avatar, doing your reconnaissance, niching down, drawing your line in the sand, using a sign-in sheet and the messaging. Today, we're going to be talking about number seven, eight, nine, and 10. That's marketing, R&R, consistency, and keep serving your avatar. Let's dive in. Number seven is marketing. And Love him or hate him, there is this man whose name is, I can't even think of his name now. (laughs) There is this guy, Grant Cardone, who wrote a book called The 10X Rule. And I personally have always had a hard time with Grant's personality. I think he is quite arrogant and it kind of rubs me wrong. He's real confident about himself. And it just kind of turns me off a little bit. Although I know that it attracts a lot of people. And certainly Grant wouldn't be as famous today if he didn't have a good percentage of people that really followed him and enjoyed that. So I totally understand that. I'm just saying for me personally, I don't always love watching his videos. So I thought that I would hate the book. I thought that I would not like the book, but it was not true. I read 10X Rule. I listened as a dyslexic person to 10X rule and actually got quite a bit of value from it. And I found out one of the reasons why is my podcast. At the time, Creative Real Estate Podcast was already ranking top 1% in the whole world. We had thousands of listeners while many of my friends in the real estate space only had dozens or a couple of hundred listeners. And so we on Creative Real Estate Podcast, I ended up having this guy named Jason J. Lou Lewis takeover, who you probably are aware of, or you might be aware of because he runs the show now at Creative Real Estate Podcast. The point that I'm making is that when I ran Creative Real Estate Podcast by myself, it had already grown to a huge number. And I think it had to be in part because it was already practicing a lot of the principles that come from 10X Rule. For example, how I was marketing other meetup organizers, the way that they would market their meetup group would be that they would simply post the event on the meetup site. Now, the event is showing up on the meetup site. If somebody's already subscribed, if somebody's already looking for it, if they come across it, if they're intentionally on meetup looking for an event to go to, they might see it. So the first step that I did on top of that, when we talk about 10x marketing, 10x rule, like going above and beyond trying things that other people are not trying so that you can get a result that other people are not getting, the things that I would do is additionally, I would email the people. Now, few people were still emailing them through the Meetup app, but I would do that. Again, another thing that I would do is I would actually email my people through the sign-in sheet that they signed in on. Another thing that I would do is I I put the meetup, I would put the event 
that was also on Meetup, I would put it on Eventbrite. Write that down if this is a good takeaway. I would also put it on Eventbrite. Another place that I would put it is Facebook events. Facebook's kind of cool because it connects people. They want to connect people. And so I'd create the event through Facebook. So I'd get that additional exposure. So now it's on Eventbrite, it's on Facebook, and it's on Meetup. So I'm in three times the amount of places. I'm able to get in front of a ton more people. The next thing that I would do is I would phone call my friends and I'd private message them on Meetup. And I would private message them on Facebook. And I would say, hey, I saw that you marked interested on Facebook. I saw that you marked interested. And I saw that you just did your first wholesale deal. I saw that you just got your first client. I saw that you just got into apartments. Okay. I would say something like this. I'd private message them. I noticed that you marked interested at, for the event and looked at your profile and saw that you just got into apartment investing. I think that's pretty freaking cool. I'd love to talk to you more about how you got into that. Can we talk when we're at the event? And so that would actually be my pitch. That would be how I would share it with them. I would be personal okay, on that private message through Meetup or through Facebook or whatever it is. They might RSVP on Meetup and they might say that they're coming. And I'll say something like, Andrea, it's really awesome that you're coming to the event on Wednesday because I noticed that you just started your podcast about real estate investing, for example. And I would love to find out how you got started. Maybe we could speak at the event, question mark. Okay, that's what I would do with 10X Marketing. I would call some people. And when I would call them, here's some takeaways that will really benefit you. I would think about all of the different avatars that might be interested in coming to the thing. So let's just pretend... Like we've got an event where we're teaching people how to, I know I keep using just real estate as an example, but this meetups could be about anything. And meetups are about anything, just as much as podcasts are about anything, just as much as a book can be about anything. The meetups can be about anything, not just real estate. It's just that I have so much real estate investing experience since 2005 I've been doing this for like 17, 18 years. And a lot of the networking that I've done in the past is in that space. But if you don't have a real estate business right now today, don't be discouraged. This stuff still works for you. With a marketing, I would call people and I would say something like, today we're learning how to... We might have had an event that was about how do you do a scope of work for fix and flips. And what I would do is I would go and call all the people that had been fix and flipping for like two or three years. And I would say something like, hey, I have put together an event that I think will help you because I know you've been doing fix and flipping houses for the last couple of years. I've just got this guy who's been fix and flipping for the last 12 years and he's fixed and flipped over a thousand houses so far. He's done an incredible job at what he's doing. One of the things that he swears by is his scope of work, how to build a scope of work. He's going to give a template of a scope of work. But I thought it would be valuable to you, and I'd like to see you anyway, if you attended. And the event's going to be this upcoming Thursday at noon. I would do everything you can right now to get take care of um, childcare if you need it, take care of getting time off of work if you need it, make sure that you don't have any other appointments because 
I think and I believe that this scope of work could save you tens of thousands of dollars per flip over the next few years. That's just millions of dollars of savings. And I don't think that's an exaggeration at all. I really think you should come and I'd like to see you anyway. So that would be my pitch to the first person. Then I would just keep doing that. I would fine tune it. If they ask me more questions about certain parts, I'd make sure to answer those questions with the next person who's been flipping for like two years. Then I would start calling brand new flippers or wholesalers that were getting into flipping that wanted to flip. And I would say, man, this is so good that A, the guy who's teaching this stuff has done a thousand flips in in the last 10 years, but it's also so good. I've already spoken with just on the phone about a dozen high-end fix and flippers have been doing this for like two years each and they're still coming. Plus, you should probably meet some of them. If since you're kind of new at this in this game, you are trying to get out of wholesaling and getting into fix and flipping, this would be a wonderful way for you to connect with them, with so many other people, the type of people you want to connect with. Then I would say the same types of things. I mean, I'd like to see you anyway, because I'm a people person. I love seeing people, love connecting with people. I love getting groups of people together. And I think that they'll get a lot of value if they attend, right? So I did that. And then I would start calling just people that wholesaled, which means that they were controlling a property for a fee to flip it quickly to a fix and flipper, to just basically flip a contract so that a fix and flipper could put in the work. And this is how wholesalers get their money. And so then once I called all the the flippers, I would let them know, dude, I've already got 30 confirmed fix and flippers. Some of the best in the state are going to be at this event because they're learning scope of work. I don't know if you particularly are ever going to start flipping. If you are, you need to know the value. You need to know the content anyway. But even if that's not the purpose, you've got to meet and connect with these people. And I'm putting them all into a room like sitting ducks for you. You know what I mean? So I would say that. And then I would reach out to real estate agents and I would say, there's all of these fix and flippers. There's all of these wholesalers, people actually doing deals. And if you want to have more clients that are actually doing deals that are real true buyers that aren't going to waste your time, that's what this room is all about. Then I would also call the lenders, the people that with the money. So I'd call private lenders, multimillionaires that could care less about the content, the fix and flipper. I mean, the lender could care less, I guess, couldn't care less, sorry, couldn't care less about that content. Them knowing the scope of work isn't going to change their life. But I did know that the actual wholesalers are going to be there. So I would just mention to them, or the flippers are going to be there. People that I trust, there's a lot of people there that I trust that I've seen do a lot of successful deals. If you're really looking to place that capital, maybe you ought to come and I could introduce you to a couple of these fix and flippers that are really doing deals so that you never have to have your money sitting stagnant. Because if your money's sitting stagnant, you're not going to be making money. So are you going to come on next Thursday at noon? And they'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going to come. And I would do that same thing. I would keep calling people and telling them the what's in it for me. I would let the insurance companies know you want things to insure. You're one of the only people that can insure fix and flips. You want to meet a whole bunch of real estate agents that are in this business. 
I've got them all in this room for you. That's how I would do my marketing. Okay. So as I stated before, I would post it on Meetup like normal. I would do the Meetup emails as well. I would do my own emails. I would do my own phone calls. I would put it on Eventbrite. I would put it on... What was the other one that I said? I would put it on Facebook events and I'd private message people. Got me a ton of value. And then I ended up being able to pull into one room a significant amount of people in one room where, as I mentioned before, I had one of the top six meetups in the whole world. Out of 225,000 meetups at the time, my meetup was number six. I was one of six speakers when meetup flew out. Their very top 150 meetup organizers from multiple different countries. I got to be a speaker and the engineer said, it's because I did some of this stuff. So we actually had more people come in the middle of the day. We had like up to 170, 176 is the most we had people in the middle of a Thursday, but we would meet every single Thursday. And so we were averaging over 8,000 faces per year with all of our events that we would host, all of our lunch clubs. We would average above 8,000 faces a year. And most meetups in our state at the time were probably seeing about six people a month. And so six people a month times 12 months is 72 people, I think. 72 people versus 8,000 people. We were like well above it. We were really getting some results in part because we met multiple times more than others. And in part, it's because of this type of marketing, this 10x marketing. That was number seven of 10. Remember, one through six was in the last solo episode that we did together. Number seven is marketing, 10x rule. Number eight is ratings and reviews. Now, here's the thing. The engineers at Meetup HQ, when I was at the sixth floor, standing up around like kind of between not cute, excuse me, not cubicles, but like their desks. They're all of their desks were like connected. So maybe like 10 people would be at one desk, but we were between two of them and just kind of shooting the breeze with all these engineers. I had a real fun time learning what made Meetup and what made my Meetup happen? How do I trigger algorithms? How do we make a meetup successful? And these are the things that I'm sharing with you now. But the ratings and reviews were an interesting one. They said that I had more ratings and reviews than anyone in the world. Like that was the one thing that stuck out to me, stood out to me. A lot of things that we did were remarkable, like seeing 8,000 faces a year. Some meetups had like many more hundreds of people in front of them than I did. Which was interesting because I'm like, if this meetup over here says that they get like 400 people once a month, I've never had 400 people in one meetup. Now, at my conferences, yes, I've had 400, 500, 600, 600 plus people at a conference. But at a meetup event, the most I had ever had is 172. My meetup only has like 1,600 members, I think it was. And so like... There's other meetups that have 23,000 members. I met this woman from India, who from Eastern India, who's just a remarkable lady. She had like the biggest meetup in the whole world, the largest one. Now, I could never say that my meetup was the largest. I could only say it was the most active and the most highly attended. I could never say I had the biggest meetup. I did have one of the biggest meetups in the state of Colorado. 
But when it comes to the, the world, this lady in Eastern India, who I got to meet at Meetup HQ, she had like 23,000 members and I only had like 1,600. And I'm thinking to myself, most of the people at this event, even people that were not speaking next to me on stage, were most of them seem to have a way bigger amount of people. So I'm sitting here with the engineers. Why in the hell, if this person has 23,000, why am I a speaker? I have one of the smaller meetups. And they go, well, for one, you got one of the most highly attended meetups. Number two, you have one of the most active meetups. Number three, the ratings and reviews that come in for your meetup are number one in the world. And I'm like, what? What does that mean? And they said that what it meant was I had almost a perfect five-star review ratings and reviews on that meetup group. I got new people rating and reviewing every single Wednesday. And at the time, I'm not sure if this has changed, to be completely honest. I don't know if this has changed because I haven't been like focused on meetup as much since the beginning of the pandemic. And it's now it's more than two years past the pandemic. This one factor may have changed. And that is that at the time, the same individual would be able to, like on a podcast, when somebody leaves a rating and review for my show, that one person, let's call him Zachary. When Zachary leaves a rating and review on my uh, podcast, he can only do it the one time. He is able to change it. And Zachary might think that he's given me another rating or review, but what it ends up doing is it erases the first one and gets replaced by the second one when Zachary does a rating interview on my podcast. But for the meetup group, if Zachary comes to my meetup, the first time that he comes to a meetup and we're talking about scope of work for fix and flippers, he can rate and review that event. And then the next time, if we're talking about how to do dispositions, five new ways of disposing or selling a real estate deal, Zachary can also rate and review that event. Okay. So this is hugely beneficial. And also, I was very highly attended. We would have like 40, 60, 120, or even like 170 something people at one event. And what I would say every time with the ratings and reviews was today, you're going to get an email that asks you what you thought of today's event. And then I would say, all I care about is that you're honest on that. If anything that you wished you saw more, anything that you wish you saw less of, if I wasted your time, if you got value, whatever it is, all I'm asking is that when you get that email tonight, that you are honest about it. And so part of this for the RNR, for the ratings and reviews, part of this is that I'm warning them that they're going to get the email. They're less likely to ignore it when they know that it's coming. The second thing is I'm asking for an honest review of the event, real feedback. I'm not asking for a five-star. I'm not saying, I want to feel good about myself, so give me a five-star rating. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, I want more people to come to my meetup group, so please rate and review it. Absolutely not what I'm saying. I'm basically saying it's important that this meetup serves you. And so it's important that you share your honest feedback, what you liked, what you didn't like, what you thought of it, if you got value, if there's something you wanted to see more of or less of. That's all I want you to write on there. 
I read each and every one of those and it helps me to make sure that I'm serving you and that you're getting everything that you want out of this meetup. So when I was asking for ratings and reviews and ding, 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 if you've got a podcast, you can ask for it the same way. When I was asking for ratings and reviews to my people, I warned them that it was coming. I told them to look out for it. I told them that honesty is fine. Anything they, they think, it's all for them. W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me? What's in it for my follower? What's in it for my listener? What's in it for my attendee? What are they going to get out of filling it out? It's not just benefiting me. It's not an ego boost. It doesn't help me get more people because I need to sell something, right? It's what's in it for them. That's how we connect with that. So that's with the R&R, the ratings and reviews. So we're asking for written ratings and reviews. Another part of this is we are assuming the sale. We're assuming the sale. All this means when it comes to ratings and reviews, and I'm asking for a rating review, instead of saying, if you do this, I say, when you do this. Instead of saying, you would see, I'm saying, you're going to see, or you'll see, or you're going to see this right here, and then you're going to click this, and then you're going to find this, and then this is going to happen. Not, and then this would happen. When I'm saying it, knowing that they're actually going to do the thing, and so I'm talking to them in a way that they're actually doing the thing. And subconsciously, subliminally, there is a sales benefit of persuasion when using that type of assuming the sale language. So as I ask for ratings and reviews in the way of you're going to do this, you're going to see this, then you're going to do this, and that's your three simple steps, then I leave. Now they have actually been able to visualize themselves doing the thing, giving rating and a written review on the meetup or the podcast or whatever it is that I'm doing. Now they can see themselves going to the website. Now they can see themselves getting the email. Now they're ready to look out for it. They're more likely to do it. And because of all of that, and because of like how highly attended we were, we just got so many people there. And of course, I tried to show up with just my full authenticity, just who I am, without being a salesperson or trying to talk them into something or trying to get them to buy my product or whatever it was. I showed up, you really focused on how can I serve them? And that really helped them to be more likely to give written rating and review of the show. I mean, yes, of the show too, but I mean of the podcast as I was growing that. Oh my God, did I say it twice? Of the freaking meetup, of the meetup group, rating of the meetup group. I am so one-track mind ever since starting Grow Your Show. Of the meetup, <laughs> this is what I'm trying to talk about. They would rate and review the meetup group, the group, and that would benefit me. And apparently... The engineers told me in 2018 that our meetup was number one in the world with ratings and reviews, which is one of the major factors that got us in the top six as one of the six speakers, even though we only had 1,600 members as compared to that woman that I met from Eastern India who got flown in also by meetup headquarters. Her wine and her food and her airplane and her hotel were also paid for just like mine were when we went to that event that was put on by Meetup HQ. But her meetup in the India had 23,000 members. I was like, I felt small fry with my 1600, right? Let's move on from ratings and reviews. I think you got a ton of value from marketing. I think you got a ton of value from ratings and reviews. Let's talk about consistency. When I was first started the podcast. When I first started the meetup, I was like doing my recon ahead of time. I noticed that a lot of other meetup groups out there 
were if there was only like one or two or three or 10 people that had signed up, they would just cancel the meetup. And I felt and noticed that if you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, you generally lose some credibility. You generally, those true fans, there was going to be two people that showed up that day, but you canceled because there was less than some number. Those two people that really believed in you, they're no longer actually going to come. They're no no longer actually going to go attend your meetup, okay? Because they believed in you and you let them down. And so they never come again. They're like, I would sign up again for your meetup group. But the last time I did, you canceled it last minute because there wasn't enough people. So what if there's not enough people this time? And then I actually drive out there and I miss the cancellation. They are not going to trust you. You've lost the integrity. You've lost the promise that you've given them. So they're probably not going to sign up again. They're less likely to. You've let down your perfect fan, the people that were going to be your number ones because you canceled. So I remember a long, long time ago, this is the story that I was going to say about my stepdad. For some of you that may or may not know, I grew up in Utah. And my real like experience in life was growing up in the middle of nowhere on a ranch, basically a polygamous colony. And my mom left that. And she was like, I'm not going to be part of this anymore. So she left and she met my stepdad, who she knew in grade school. Like They knew each other. They lived in the same neighborhood long before. But my mom left that religious sect that she was a part of for a short period of time. And so my sister and I, we go over with my mom and she meets this awesome guy and he's made such a huge impact on my life. If you've ever heard that country song, that's something to do with, I wish that I could be half the dad that you didn't have to be. And that makes me cry normally. Like when I hear that song, I like start bawling because I'm like, my stepdad really stepped up and he became an incredible influence on me to teach me business because he was an entrepreneur and to teach me real estate investing, which I still do today. I actually just closed on another real estate transaction. My most recent one was about two months ago. Now is kind of going away, but it's been two months of my last closing of a real estate transaction. And I will always do real estate investing. These are some of the things that I learned from my stepdad. One of the things that I learned from him was about if you ever start something, not to quit it. And so I remember thinking as I was doing my recon about different meetup groups, and I was thinking about if I'm going to do this, how long do I commit to do this? And I told myself, this is the phrase that I said to myself, I will show up to this meetup group every single Thursday at noon. I said, except for Thanksgiving, but every single Thursday at noon for at least 12 months even if I'm the only person that shows up. I'm not going to be one of those people that doesn't only has like one or two people signed up, so I cancel it. I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in. And when I suggest to clients at Grow Your Show, if they're going to be starting a podcast, when I suggest to them how long they should focus on their podcast, I say a minimum of three years. And that might be what I would say to you if you're starting your meetup as well. Maybe I'd say a minimum of three years. But my goal at the time was I will be here every Thursday at noon, even if I'm by myself. And if I'm by myself, I still need to eat lunch. And 
I can have my laptop with me so that I can still get some work done. It won't be a waste for me to try to be here, even if no one shows up. So that was my plan. And I said, rain or shine. That was the quote. Remember that. I said, rain or shine. And this will get back to my stepdad here in a moment. Because the day that I actually had my very first meetup, it was snowing like... I'm having a hard time remembering. I think it snowed something like 10 inches or 18 inches, something like that. It it snowed crazy. It was like insane. And it all happened within four hours. And so it just started dumping on us. And I was in a two-wheel drive Honda Pilot. Now I've had three Honda Pilots. I had my 2012 Honda Pilot that me and my ex, we bought it in Florida which is a two-wheel drive. We bought that in Florida right before we moved to Colorado. We moved to Colorado, 2015. I was new to the area, so I knew that I needed to have a meetup so I could have a better network because your network is your net worth. So I had not thought about that this vehicle was only two-wheel drive because I thought all pilots were four-wheel drive. But apparently, if you buy the Honda Pilot in Florida, you don't have a lot of snow. So it's not, it doesn't really matter. So anyway, this day was really snow day. I don't remember today. Like I can't think of how deep it was, but it was at least 10 inches and it happened incredibly fast. And I was slipping around and I was thinking to myself, I only promised I would show up rain or shine. I didn't promise I would show up in 10 inches of snow with two-wheel drive vehicle. I never promised that. I had this thing in the back of my mind that was telling me that I should quit. I should cancel it. I should protect other people. What if they only have a two-wheel drive? What if their tires are as bald as mine? Whatever it was, I was like, maybe I should just protect people. Maybe it's best if I turn around. And there was only six people that signed up. So I don't know if anyone's going to show up, especially with this weather. And This memory came back with my stepdad, who, as I mentioned before, has taught me so much in life. He is a wonderful person. I wish I could be half the dad that he didn't have to be to me. I used to water trees for him. We owned agricultural land, tree farms. He did landscaping. He had a whole bunch of real estate businesses. He had self-storage units that as an investment, he had multifamily as investments. He had single family. He had a bunch of different land, some of it agricultural that he would grow trees on and corn on and Christmas trees and deciduous trees, apple trees, whatever, fruit trees, all sorts of stuff. And one of my jobs for one buck an hour, when I was about five, six, seven, and eight, I was getting paid a dollar an hour, was to water the trees. And we had like seven acres. One of the two farms was a seven acre farm. And on that farm, we had a couple of just super long hoses with irrigation water attached to the water. And I would spend hours a day watering plants. And it was summer and it was getting hot. And I would water plants for probably like five hours a day. And I would get paid like five bucks that day. And one day I came home two hours early and my dad's like, you finished already? My stepdad, he's like, you finished everything already? How did you finish so fast? And I was like, nope, dad, I didn't finish. It's like a hundred degrees out there and I'm fine with making three bucks instead of five bucks today. 
And that day was one of the only days my dad ever actually yelled at me. My stepdad was one of those stepdads who, for the most part, was like to my mom, you discipline your son. Hey, Jane, you discipline your son. I'm not going there with him. He's going to say, you're not my dad, something like that. And he didn't even want to do that. So here I was with him. And he basically said, if you're going to start something, I want you to finish it. Make that a lesson for you in your whole life. If you're going to start a job, don't half-ass it, full-ass it. Go all the way. And so he made me go back out. He made me go out back out and finish the last two hours of watering in the 100 plus degree weather when I was like, I don't even know how old I was, seven-ish years old at the time. And when I was driving to that meetup group in the snow, it was reminding me of that hot day where my stepdad poured into me and said, if you're going to start something, you're going to finish it. And I remembered making that promise, rain or shine, I'm still going to be consistent. It doesn't matter if I'm by myself. So I made that commitment as I was taking the exit, the off-ramp to Smash Burgers was where we were meeting that day. And my car could barely make it up with a front-wheel drive Honda Pilot. And by the way, we replaced that Honda Pilot with a 2015 Honda Pilot. And we replaced that one with the 2020 Honda Pilot. We love our Honda Pilots, right? The second one was four-wheel drive, and the third one is all-wheel drive. At any rate, I show up, and you know, all six people ended up being there. And I remember thinking, I said, rain or shine, I'm going to go. It's not going to matter. And the coolest thing that you could ever imagine is that I've actually partnered with and made lots of money because of that one event. I had partnered with this guy named John Beasley who went there, and he and I made money together. I partnered with Manny who was there. He and I made money together. I partnered with this guy named DJ who was there. He and I made money together. For sure, out of the six, I can definitely remember three of them that I made more money that year because I did that event. So that consistency is beneficial because now everybody who attended says, wow, even in this crazy snowstorm, Adam still made it. So I know that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. I know that if there's another event, he's going to be there. I know that if he says he's going to buy this real estate from me, he's going to buy it. I know that if he says he's going to raise the money for this real estate deal or for this business, then he's going to do it because Adam's the type of person that does what he says he's going to do. He shows up. He shows up on time. He shows up every time because I was able to consistently be there and show up every time, even when I didn't think there was going to be very many. And that meetup grew so fast and so furious by using so far these first nine things, identifying the avatar, doing the recon, niching down, lining the sand, using the sign-in sheet, the messaging that we would use, the marketing, the ratings and reviews, and now the consistency, always having the events, always showing up. And it really helped. Number 10 and final is that you need to keep serving your avatar. So this is just something to constantly think about is you got to constantly serve that avatar. You know who it is. You know what they're looking for. Now it's time for you to always remember what's in it for me. What's in it for them? How do I message it for them? How do I benefit them? How do I help them get value? 
Because if you help enough other people get what they want, you will have everything in life that you want. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box. Bye.